0: You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be discussing John Calipari's comments about Kentucky as they head into this Mississippi State game. He had a radio show yesterday, going to dive into some of the things that he said, and essentially going to reiterate what we've been saying for weeks now, which is Kentucky needs to change their rotation, and finally it seems like he's coming around to that. Also, going to talk a little bit about bracketology, less about where Kentucky's at, and more about who Kentucky is currently fighting with, on the bubble, I want to take a look at some of the teams that maybe Kentucky needs to kind of push out or overcome here as they fight their way uh, onto uh, NCAA tournament eligibility. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. Thirty-three hundred subs—we have officially made it to thirty-three hundred subscribers on YouTube. Really appreciate appreciate everybody who has stuck around for the ride. Make sure if you're listening now and you haven't sub, subscribe to the channel. Got some interesting games coming up here that we're going to be breaking down and previewing. Tomorrow, actually, we're going to have Tristan Ferris of Kentucky Insider on the show to talk about Kentucky versus Mississippi State. Going to be a huge matchup for the Wildcats uh, as they, again, ride that NCAA tournament bubble. So let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, So, like I said yesterday, uh, Coach Cow came on a radio show in Lexington and had some interesting comments uh, for, uh, for us to kind of dive into. KSR had a really good article about this. If you want to go check that out, it's over at KSR, uh, w- which is an on-three website. And I think the most interesting thing here for us to start with is not what the article starts with, is that this is something that we've talked about for what feels like three, four weeks now. It's about Kentucky's rotation. And something that John Calipari finally decided to come around to and said it on the show was that he believes that he may need to play Lance Ware, Uguna Onyenzo, and Damian Collins a little bit more this year. Calipari said that Lance Ware is probably going to play the five a little bit more. He also said that guys like Uguna are going to have to be put into the game, to the game more. His direct quote, he's the one guy that's not had the chance to be in there, and he's the greatest kid. And then also, he mentions later on, that uh, if Lance Ware and Damian Collins and Uganda and Inzo are going to get in, that means play Oscar-less minutes. That's what he announced. Over the last seven games, Shibwe has averaged 12.1 points, 12.3 rebounds on 47.7% shooting from the field. And the 16 games prior, he averaged 17 points, 13.8 rebounds on 58% overall shooting. So, guys, guess what? The coach is finally deciding, uh, I think about five games too late, that Oscar Shibwe needs to be uh, kind of trimmed in terms of what he does uh, for his minutes. I I think he needs to have his minutes trimmed. I I said on a few shows ago, I think he needs to be benched. That's still my stance. I don't think the coach is ever going to do that. I don't think Cal's ever going to do that but I do believe that Oscar sheepway just simply needs to play less because of how poorly he's played on the defensive end. And then also at the same time, you know, how you gonna and Yenzo and Damian Collins have played statistically, at least during their limited action. I think it's pretty clear at this point that Kentucky can't protect the rim, at least consistently. And so I've said on this show for weeks that they've got to try new stuff. And even Cal said, you know, putting Lance Ware in is going to mix things up. He's going to be physical. If he mentioned the fact that Ugunna is the one guy that's not had the chance to be in there and he's the greatest kid, what I don't understand, if he's the greatest kid and he hasn't gotten a chance and our rim protection's bad, why hasn't he been put in before this? Why are we just now deciding, hey, guys, maybe we should play Ugunna and Yenzo? I understand that he's been hurt, but Cal's talking about him like he's just perfectly fine. He's not played in games. Where has he been then? If he's perfectly fine and ready to go and like, oh, well, I should play him more play him. It's pretty clear at this point. Shibwe can't guard the rim for anything. You've got to be able to play your best players and put yourself in the best position to win. I get that Oscar Shibwe is a senior. I get that he has seniority over some of these guys, and I get he's going to get his playing time because of how talented he is on the offensive end. But it's so clear. You've even admitted it. You've now finally come around to the fact that, okay, maybe Shibwe's not playing too well. Maybe we should do something about that. I mean, get out of here with that. Are you kidding me? I mean, if we're sitting, if you're going to sit here and say over these past few weeks, hey, I still have faith in what this team can do. Hey, I still have faith in what this season can become. And he even mentioned more comments about that on this same radio show. Why have you not been making that adjustment then? What is going on in this Kentucky locker room? I have no idea what could possibly be happening. But it seems to me, and this is something we talked about. We haven't talked about it in weeks. This seems like something's going on. It seems like something's up, and I don't understand it. I, I I don't get it. Something has to be going on within that locker room with either the assistant coaches, with the players, with the with John Calipari himself. I don't get what's going on. Because if this, if there was nothing going on, it was perfectly fine. This adjustment would have been made games ago. Damien Collins would have gotten in games ago. Lance Ware would be playing a little bit more. You got Yinzo, if he's healthy, which I guess he is, he should have been playing just, oh, he should have been playing this entire season whenever he wasn't healthy. I mean, I am just blown away by this comment. I'm just blown away finally as you approach the most important slate or stretch, yeah, of your entire season. Arguably the most important game, it's like, oh yeah, I guess we should finally start doing that. You wouldn't be in this position if you had just made the adjustment earlier. I fully believe that Kentucky would have won a couple of games that they had not if they had decided to make this change. Would they have beaten Arkansas? No. No, but at least there would have been a little bit of closer of an effort, I believe. They, t- changes should have been made earlier. I am shocked by this comment. Shocked that this is finally when we're, we're coming around to it. And hopefully, this is not just a thing where he just says it. And then we roll on to it. The other thing I wanted to get to, and again, this is in the article written by KSR. Calipari compared the team to North Carolina from a year ago. And this was the quote. He said, quote, North Carolina was in the same position we're in with five games to go. North Carolina went on a little mini run at the end. With five games to go, they were done. We don't have to win every game out, but we've got to win a bunch of these. And something that KSR notes that I have been talking about for goodness knows how long, Kentucky has four more quad one opportunities left on the schedule and one more quad two game on the road. Plenty of chances to beef up the resume. So for the 100th time, let's go back to what we've been talking about here. I love how Cal's just finally like, oh, yeah, so we're in the same position that UNC was a year ago, where they had their backs firmly placed against the wall, where they had to do something. They had to win those games. They ended up winning them, and so we're like them, except we're still finally just now figuring out maybe we should change our front court rotation a little bit. I mean I mean you you've got to be kidding me, right? Like the reason North Carolina got hot was because they got hot. They had their players in place. We're still figuring it out apparently. So you've got Mississippi State tomorrow, huge. Again going to have Tristan Ferris on the show to talk about that. Number 5 Tennessee or 5th in the Kim Palm rankings, excuse me. They are currently was still a top 10 team if they lost two buzz, buzzer beaters. I mean, that's a winnable game, but still goodness gracious Tennessee is whoo, they're hot and cold. You've got Florida, you've got Auburn, you've got Vanderbilt, you've got Arkansas. You've got four quad one games. State, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas, right? Well, Florida might be a quad two game based on the way that this is projecting out. Anyway, point being, you've got the opportunity to win some of these games. And something that I've been saying is you don't have to win all of them. You just have to win the games that matter. There is no chance, I think, that Kentucky's beating Arkansas. that it'd be sure be nice if they could pick up wins against Tennessee, Auburn, and Arkansas. I mean, that would be huge. Probably not going to happen. But even if you win just those three games out of these final six, and you win an SEC tournament game, I mean, not only are you in, but you're like a what a nine seed at that point. You bounce your way up. I love the fact that we are still trying to make these changes, and we're just now coming around to the fact that they need to be made while also acknowledging that we are in the most pivotal stretch of the season, how were these changes not made prior? Because it's not just been like, oh, this happened last game. This has been a lingering thing for what feels like three weeks. Like, you've got to be kidding me, right? And again, I'm not a coach, right? I'm not a coach. I'm never going to be a coach. I'm not as smart as these guys. I've never won a national title. But if your fan base can identify the individual problems with your team weeks before you decide to make a change on them. And I'm not saying me, this is not just a me thing. Everyone's been talking about this and now he's finally doing it. If you can have your fan base identify it before you can verbally identify it to the public and you, we don't even know he's going to make the adjustment tomorrow, but if he does, then it's taken that long for you to actually make the decision. That's a problem. And I don't think that's necessarily on Cal. I think that's partially on the assistant coaches. The fact that they've not come to him and said, hey, coach, this is something that we could do. This is something that we could implement. Listen, we've only got six more games of the season left. Clearly what we have currently isn't working. Let's see if we can not just completely flip the script on its head. Let's try and not completely bench Oscar Shebae, but let's see if we can work some of these other guys into the rotation. Because like you said, they haven't got the opportunities, and they're great kids. Well, then play them. If you've got great kids and you got five stars on your bench, play them. Because clearly what's happening right now isn't work. Man, I am so frustrated by that comment. I want to talk about the bracketology. I want to talk about what's going on with Kentucky and who they're fighting on the bubble. Before I do that, though, you know, let's calm things down here a little bit. Let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. So, you know, something that I try have, and I've tried to work into my daily routine uh, recently uh, is working out, trying to become a little bit healthier and I want something typically before or after that I work out. Obviously, you want something that's got a lot of protein that's really, really good for you. I also don't necessarily sometimes want to sacrifice that taste. You know, you obviously want to have something that tastes really good and is good for you. And I think the perfect thing that you have got to try out if you want that is Built Bar. If you don't want all the fat and the calories, but you're looking for something that tastes delicious and is really healthy for you, again, Built is exactly what you're looking for. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think that they're good for you. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they have unbelievably good flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, cookies and cream. I mean, they've got some excellent flavors over at Built.com. And the, the healthy part about them, they've got amazing macros as well. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. You can order these bars at Built.com if you would like, but you don't need to wait around now to get a a box. So you can now head to your local Walmart or Sam's Club if you want to get some Built Bars. So at Walmart, you can pick up a 4-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, you can run in, grab a 13-bar box with brownie batter or churro. Again, all these flavors are phenomenal. If you can't get to a Sam's Club or Walmart, Uh, Built.com is definitely the place for you. All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On, Kentucky, a relatively fired up Lance Dollar is here with you. Random thought, did you know that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on LinkedIn? Anyway, so Bracketology is something that we've been discussing on the show for quite some time now, Uh, just kind of keeping an eye on where Kentucky could potentially be landing. I said a few weeks ago that the Bracketology was less relevant last year and more relevant this year because of the way that Kentucky's playing. They're kind of making their way onto the bubble, and now all of a sudden, oh, hey, look, here's Kentucky on the bubble, and they are, according to a lot of different projections, they are the first, they are part of the first four out. And it's a a mix of those first four out, depending on where you look, but Kentucky has consistently found themselves in that spot. I think the only place that doesn't have or Kentucky outside of the field, is Bracketville. They've got them as one of the first four, as an 11 seed, uh, playing Memphis. which I would love to play Memphis. (laughs) I'd love to play Memphis in the first four. That would be an interesting game. Uh, But you look at some of the other teams that are currently fighting with Kentucky, and I just want to go over them real quick. Some of them are in this league, so let's start there. Right now, I think Texas A&M is another team that you have to be looking at on the bubble. They're 18-7. and 7, They're 10-2 and 2 in the conference right now. What's bewildering about Texas A&M is that they've had such a good record up until this point, but the problem isn't the record. The problem isn't the wins and losses. As a Kentucky fan listening to the show, you should know it's not about how many games you win, but it's more about who you beat, and Texas A&M's non-conference schedule Uh, was absolutely pathetic. And their conference schedule has not been particularly strong either when you look at who they've beaten. So Kentucky, or excuse me, Texas A&M, needs a little bit more help uh, to make sure that they don't slide off of this bubble. They're projected to lose four out of their last six to end the year. They've got some really tough matchups, Tennessee, Arkansas, Missouri, Bama. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see how A&M finishes. But that's another team that Kentucky is currently fighting right now. And then obviously... The big game tomorrow, Mississippi State is going to be another team that the Wildcats are fighting with. They're five spots higher than uh, on the net. They're four spots higher on Kimpom. They have a worse BPI and they have a worse KPI. But I think that the strength of schedule is comparable, very similar overall in terms of what they've done at the uh, quad three, quad four levels. Um, but the fact that Kentucky has two less quad one victories is really detrimental. Uh, to the Wildcats, and this is the game. I mean, this is the game that could completely push Kentucky out of the NCAA tournament tomorrow uh, on February 15th. This is going to be a massive one. If you want to hear a breakdown of that game tomorrow morning, we're going to have a preview with Tristan Varis of Kentucky Insider and a sea of blue on to talk about that game, just kind of preview the matchup. It's going to be a full show with me and Fair. so make sure you are subscribed wherever you're listening to catch that. But, yeah, Mississippi State's another team. North Carolina is also a team that's right there in terms of net. They're a little bit higher in the Ken Palm rankings, and they are 0-9 against their quad one opponents. The only thing that I think could legitimately save North Carolina at this point is finding a couple of really good wins here. They've got a couple of really tough opponents to play in Virginia and Duke uh, to wrap up this season. But, man, I don't know if North Carolina is going to be able to get there. <laughs> this is... Wild to think, I think, as a whole, when you step back and look at what they did last year, heading into this year, projections and all that good stuff, the fact that they've fallen off this hard. But if you'll go back to the very beginning of the season, when the AP Top 25 poll was released and North Carolina was ranked as the preseason number one team, if you were listening to this show, you know that I was sitting here saying that I didn't necessarily believe that North Carolina was as good as their number one ranking suggested because of the fact that last year was a little bit fluky. It's very similar to a team that you know in this conference that has gotten pretty arrogant, uh, the Auburn Tigers. After they had their 2019 run, a lot of people don't realize just how bad that team was sliding before they all of a sudden flipped the, the script and just completely turned things around and got really hot shooting the basketball. I think it was similar to North Carolina last year. I mean, last year they had... A little bit of a down stretch there, closer towards the end. They lost a few games at one point. They were sixteen and seven, eight and four in the league, and then uh, then they got really hot. They won their last five straight. Then they beat Virginia in the ACC tournament. They lost to Virginia Tech, and then they entered the tournament as an eight seed, and they just started shooting well. That was just kind of how it was. It's just essentially some of the same players from last year. They've got Leaky Black, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Armando Armando Baycott is here. Pete Nance is somebody that transferred in that everybody expected a lot of. Hasn't been phenomenal this year, but he's been good. So um, it, it's it's definitely comparable to what they were last season. I think North Carolina now they need to pick up some wins. They need to get hot here. I don't know if necessarily they're they're going to. And if do they surpass somebody like Kentucky? If Kentucky also keeps winning, I doubt it. I genuinely uh, I genuinely doubt it. Oregon, USC, two Pac-12 teams that are currently kind of scraping along there for a shot at the NCAA tournament, if anything, and I mean if anything for Oregon, I think they're going to find their way into the first four, uh, to be completely honest with you. They're going to win some games here to wrap things up. I mean, they've got a really weak end to this slate. So they're going to pick up some wins here to wrap things up. Um, But I don't see Oregon being a big challenge. And if Kentucky were to play them, Um, It might be a matchup issue because of how tall they are, but I'm not afraid of Oregon right now if we're talking about other teams that are on the bubble. And then the final two I guess I wanted to kind of discuss here, uh, and I hope that this is as interesting of a topic to you guys as, as it is to me because I think it's relevant what the Wildcats do, but it's also relevant what some of these other teams do because Kentucky could finish and take care of business. They could finish solid and just kind of, you know, win three of their last five, pick up a couple solid wins, pick up a win in the SEC tournament, but all of a sudden, A, they get bounced out because all these other teams have great success. Clemson and Wisconsin are two teams that I think we also need to be paying attention to. Clemson is really interesting because they started the year off so strong, uh, and they started the year off really strong, if I'm not mistaken, whenever they were playing uh, playing strong in the ACC, at least with their slate. They started off 10-1. and one. They've lost their, their last three. And... uh I'm curious to see how they end up wrapping up this season. same for Wisconsin, who has like consistently been like that either you know somewhere between a three or a 10 seed for what feels like forever they're 14 and 10 right now their last two games have gone to overtime. they started the year off 11 and two and they have since lost uh, I can't even count it up. Let's see that six, seven, eight, eight of their last 11. They've lost eight of their last 11. They are now 6-8 and eight in the Big Ten. And some really tough games coming up as well. they got to play Purdue, Iowa, Rutgers. I mean, this is not going to be some type of cop-out. So those, those teams I think right now you have to look at as well as maybe Seton Hall, Wake Forest. Those are other teams that you have to keep an eye on. Uh, we're going to be previewing these guys, uh, previewing these teams, excuse me, because they may honestly, depending on how things shake out, they may end up being somebody Kentucky plays in the tournament. There's also a world where Kentucky plays Duke in the NCAA tournament, but I don't want to get to that right now. So that's my thought on that. If you've got any thought about where Kentucky is in the bracketology, where you think they're going to finish, where you think they're going to end up playing, who you think they're going to end up playing, you can leave that all in the YouTube comments below. If you have any thoughts on what Cal said uh, about the team, about the fact that he hasn't been playing, people that he should be, you can leave all of that in the YouTube comments as well. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnUK. Follow me on Twitter at LanceDoll underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow. A preview of Kentucky versus Mississippi State with Tristan Ferris coming up. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.